we'll see how you do. All right. Acts chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 1, even though we talked about that last Sunday. Go back and listen online if you want to. We'll start in verse 1, and we'll go through verse 16, Acts chapter 3. I'm reading from the, from the uh, contemporary English Bible. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses to this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. The word of God for the people of God. Hey, we're getting there. That's about 50% there. We've got that. We are on our way. We're on our way. Hey, let's look at, at this passage. Now, I, I have to tell you, there's so much in these 16 verses, there's just no way I could get it all done. Listen, i got to be at discipleship at 1 o'clock, right? So we just don't have that long for me to give you. But I can, I can give you an hour and seven-minute sermon to get to 1 o'clock. So no, we won't go that far. But let me just share with you these four components that are kind of umbrella categories that we're going to keep seeing in the book of Acts. And I think each of them have a question that go along with them for us this morning. Here's the first one. We understand that this man was totally dependent on help. This man who was lame, couldn't walk, was totally dependent. Why? Well, listen, there is no, for the Jewish people, there is no governmental system. There is nowhere to go and apply for anything. There's no unemployment. There's no disability. There's nothing this person, as a Jewish person in the Roman Empire, could apply for. Roman citizen, different, different entirely. But for this person, there was no opportunity. There was no support from the temple. You might think, well, why didn't the temple, why didn't like the church at the time do something? Well, there was no support from the temple if you were deemed unclean, right? And think about somebody who was in this situation who was not allowed or couldn't get themselves into the temple to worship regularly, to declare themselves clean. 
they probably lived a regular life daily considered by law standards to be unclean. No support for somebody who was unclean. So that's the situation this person finds himself in, totally dependent on help. And so they're at this gate waiting. Why? Why at this time? Well, you remember last week's sermon, if you, you probably went back and listened to it two or three times by now, right? That the second time, the second hour of prayer was the hour of giving. And so this would be the right time to sit at the temple gates. So people are coming into the temple to give their finances, their tithes, their offerings at the temple. This would have been the right time to sit. In fact, you could say it this way. It was most profitable to him, rather than any other moment in any other way, to be in this spot at this time. It was most profitable to him if he was going to receive anything from anybody. And certainly money is what, what he's looking for in his situation. You know, I was reading this this week, and what we see in the book of Acts over and over in a story like this, later in a story where Paul is in prison, right? And when he's in prison, listen, he's in prison because they're going to try him and kill him, right? Um, we find he gets out of prison, right? We find these stories over and over in the book of Acts that question our dependency. That ask, where is your dependency? When you get in hard situations in your life, when things are stripped away from your life, when you have no avenues, where is your dependency? There's an even better question. When you have all kinds of avenues in life and hardship is not running the day, where is your dependency? Where is it? And we see this over and over and over in the book of Acts, these opportunities for people to put their full dependency in God or, even more correctly, what God is doing. And are they getting on board with that? And so a question that comes out of this, this little interaction here is, where is your dependency? Where do you put your dependency? Now, we're not going to, we won't flush this out fully because you're going to see it shows up over and over. We have other opportunities to really flush out this idea of dependency as we keep going in the book of Acts. Peter and John, I just said, they're going in to uh, the temple. Uh, Peter and John, they're headed to the hour of gifts. That's the second day of time of prayer. Maybe your Bible says it that way. It's known as the hour of gifts. This is the time in the day where they are bringing their tithes and offerings to the Lord. Now, there's praying, there's some singing, there's other things that are going on. But the theme of that hour is the giving of gifts. At the right time of year, this would be the, the, the time, midday, of sacrifice as well, where they'd bring their sin offering also. So this is what this time was known as. Listen, nobody goes to the temple in the hour of gifts without something they are giving, some type of finances they're offering. They understand, like, that's the key part. Giving was such a core component of what they did as part of their daily and weekly worship that they had a service that was structured around that. So when Peter and John are going to the temple, it would make sense that they are going with something to give something. Yet they say, look at the verse. They say, hey, silver and gold I do not have. And they go on to say, I've got something greater. We'll get to that in just a second. What is being said then? 
if, if, if every person going to that hour of prayer would have gone with their tithe or their offering, their designated offering to give, and they're saying, I don't have, what they're declaring here is, is there is something that's God's first. There's always something that is God's first. In fact, we see this principle all the way back in the very beginning, the first fruits that were asked, that were given. It came to be known as the tithe. It was actually, you know, actually written into the law that way, that they would tithe and give in that way. That became a standard discipline and structure that you would give of the tithe. But over and over, in fact, I don't know if you know this, more times in the Old Testament, right? We call that the old law stuff. More times in the Old Testament, there are passages about the free or love kind of offering, the offering above and beyond the tithe, than there are verses about the tithe. So these are super important, both of these. The discipline of giving and then being generous with everything else you have. It's as if Peter and John are saying to him, listen, we have our designated money, but that is the Lord's. And we're going and we're giving that to the Lord. And it could be like financially they're saying, look, we don't have any more money left over, but we do have something for you. And they, uh, they offered him something, yes. They offered him something even greater and better. Now, let's just pause for a second. Because here's what we like to do. What we like to do is we like to take a passage like this in times where we know God is leaning on us saying, give that person some money. They need some money. Bless that neighbor. You know, give of your, your cash. It's okay. I'm asking you to do it. And we say, no, Acts chapter 3. I don't have, I'll give you something better than that, right? No, what's being said here is, look, we're, we're going to give to the Lord. This is what's set aside for the Lord. But we still have something to offer you. And we have something significant to offer you. And in this, remember, they're just filled with the Holy Spirit. They're given this supernatural gift. They were able to talk another language. Clearly, uh, for, for at least Peter and John here, they're able to heal as well. At least in this incident, we find healing. They have that capability. God doesn't always use us that way. He doesn't always send us out to say, hey, go heal somebody. But he always sends us out to say, you have something to offer someone. Are you offering it? And that's what we look at this. The tithe came first. What they were giving at the hour of gifts, that came first. But the tithe did not limit helping. They can't just say, well, I got the ads for the Lord and moving on my way. What then do you have to offer as well? In this instance, something even better than money they could put in their hand. They brought him healing and restoration. Listen, they, he got to walk. That was a big, big deal. But notice where he went first. He went walking and singing and praising into the temple. He was able to go in and worship in the temple, something he was not able to do. That's an amazing part of the story. They offered that to him. I was thinking this week, like, what is it that we have to offer as well? We still preach tithe, right? We still say, look, there's a disciplined form of giving. The church is doing ministry and, and, and just like the temple. And so we, we preach that. But we also say, listen, above and beyond, we have so much to give, so much. I was thinking about ways this week. What does that look like? Time? I mean, do you ever just feel like, I just don't have any time left? You probably do to offer somebody else a little bit. You know, every once in a while somebody calls me and they say, hey, can we, you know, could we talk, you know, 
every once in a while, not everyone, so please, if you're, I'm not talking about you, <laughs> call and say let's talk. But every once in a while, I know what it really means is they just need to talk. I know they're not looking for my advice. They probably just want me to just sit and listen for an hour or two sometimes <laughs> or more. And I know that just to give them time to let them share, this is what's going on in life. So there's that. There's time, energy. You ever just feel whooped and you're like, I don't have, any, I don't have energy left? Please, everyone, leave me alone, right? There's these times where God says, offer of your energy. How about more money? Yeah. Well, like, if we think, like, hey, I gave my tithe to the church, you know, um, get off me on the money. God can use our money and our resources financially to bless other people in all kinds of ways. But here's the beauty. He's not even saying, all right, Tom, tell them how to give their money. He say, hey, Tom, teach the tithe like we always do. But above that, God leads you. Holy Spirit leads you however you want. Some of you, you get to K-Love and it's pledge drive and you get so giddy and excited, you know, that you can give again or add to your gift. And some of you are like, I am going over to talk radio for three days and I'll be back. You know, the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us. But I think the Holy Spirit is always asking of us. How about your possessions? Like how quickly do you give? Hey, lawnmower neighbor, go for it. You know? And I realize your neighbors don't always return things on time. I realize I don't always return things on time. But we can offer of our possessions and then, of course, our talents, our skills. You know, yesterday I got to do a wedding. I get to offer that to somebody and say, don't pay me for that. You know, the Lord's, like, gifted me. He's let me do a bunch of them so I'm not as bad as I used to be. And I get to do that for you. And the Lord can use you that way, too. He can use your voice, your talents, whatever. Where are you giving? Here, a question. Over and over, we'll see people doing different things in the book of Acts. No, no, make no mistake, the third one, the Holy Spirit does the miraculous. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. And that is the great theme of this book. And Peter and John, Peter actually says, listen, fellow Israelites, why does it surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power, and I love how he says own godliness, as if we are so godly and pure, this was able to happen this way. It's the Holy Spirit. What they're saying, and we're going to find this over and over, the credit is going to the Holy Spirit. Here's what I did this week. I watched a bunch of clips, about a dozen, of what we would call kind of televangelist faith healers, put them in that category. Um, I'd rather not use names. You know, that's never good. So let me just say, I, I list some stuff. And these go back over the last 40 years or so. And I thought, I'll just listen to little clips, two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, whatever. And I was amazed on how many times when I walked away, if you were watching or if one of my non-Christian friends was watching, they would say, wow, that's a powerful person. They are so powerful. They healed that person. I don't think they would walk away and say, wow, the work of God, the work of the Holy Spirit is powerful. But Peter and John constantly, when I hear, and you're going to see it in other places, credit is to the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. And why is that significant? Because of what Acts 1.8 says to all of us, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You get it too. It's not Peter and John only. You get it also. I get it. 
this type of power in this calling as well. So how about you? I mean, do you give credit to the Holy Spirit? Do you even look for areas that you would say, that's the Holy Spirit at work. The Holy Spirit did that there. And start declaring that in your life. Finally, we find something that is dear to my heart. Obviously, we've talked about this. And we've already seen it multiple times in the book of Acts. Guess what? It ain't ending. It goes on and on and on. Peter leverages every opportunity to share the gospel. He leverages this. Listen, this just happened. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is in Jesus' name. Notice how he is pointing it to Jesus, leveraging every opportunity. What does that mean to leverage? Now, in a negative sense, we might think, oh, that's like manipulating, right? But what we're talking about here is that we actually use one occasion or one scenario and we help lead that to a point where I can share Jesus with somebody. I stopped into the great stop right up the road here today, you know, the new gas station. I, I used to get all the way here without getting donuts because there was no place convenient. Everything's a left-hand turn. But now they opened up. It's a convenient right-hand turn in, right turn out. So I'm done. I'm back on donuts. So I stopped into great stop. And just as you do, you banter, right? And, uh, and the, the lady said, good morning. And I said, hey, how are you? And every once in a while, somebody hits you with something, and she said, well, I'm not doing too good now. I learned the gas station across the street got robbed last night. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I, that's, that sounds scary. And I went on to, well, I was in the back of the store. She just kept telling me the story of what was going on. She said, I wrote down all this stuff that's been happening, and the cars that have been coming in and out of the parking lot. And we had one that came in that they didn't stop. They just came and looked and moved. So she is just telling me all of this. And I realized, I mean, this lady is anxious. She's nervous. She's in the store all alone by herself, right, overnight, 24 hours a day. Um, I don't think she works that long. You get the point. So I went over and I said, hey, could I just pray for your safety? Um, and then I said, is there, like, what is, like, what's the protocol for you here? Are you just alone? Is there somebody who can come in these situations? She let me pray for her. And then she said this. She said, oh, thank you. I haven't been to church in a little while now. I work on Sundays. I go, oh, okay. How, well, how long do you think it's been? She said, I don't know, like 14, 15 years. Oh, okay, so it's been a while. Oh, so that's a lot of Sundays to work. So I just told her, hey, um, I, I passed her right down the road, little, little metal building. If you have Sunday off, come on down. If not, what if I just pull in here and I could just pray with you a minute each, each Sunday that, that I recognize you're here? And she said, that'd be great. What are we doing there? We're just leveraging an opportunity. She's anxious. She shared a little bit of story. We could have just said, all right, good. Grab my drink and move on. You leverage to ask one question and lead to another question and the opportunity to share Jesus. Listen, this happens in your life, in mine, every day, every day, all week long, all month long. Peter is teaching us to leverage those opportunities to share Jesus. So do you use opportunities daily to share Jesus would be a question there. And we'll see it over and over and over. You want to get a jump start on that one? Well, go read Acts chapter 17. I think you'll love it. And you'll see what we're talking about even more. Hey, let me pray for you. These are some categories. I, I know I blitzed through that uh, uh, fast, but praying during the service was, was more important. And you can go and take this and now study it on your own this week. Please do. If you have any questions, let me know this week. I'd love to talk more about this. In fact, this afternoon, I'll be on the road eight hours this afternoon driving. So you could just call 
or, or text, and I'll just text while, no, I won't do that. So, but you can call, and we could just talk about this passage. I'd love to do that, so you can use that this afternoon. Let's pray. Father, uh, lead us. There may be some way that we spoke and read your words. There's so much more in here, Lord. Just, I mean, how about the beauty of healing, Lord, and what you did there? There's so much more in this passage we could break down. But these key components we did pull out, Father, would they speak to us? And maybe even if there's one person that goes out today and asks these questions of themselves, and the answer leads to transformation, that would be worth it this morning. We'll see these four things over and over, Lord. I know you're going to come back to it. But, Father, this morning we could start right now making some declarations before you. So, Lord, would you hear everyone that's made? Begin transformation in you, Lord.